Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today I am joined for episode 75 by the original crew, Matt Collins and Brian Joyner over over the monster. Guys, welcome back. Thank, Thank you. you. I didn't know we were the originals. That's nice. Well, you're the OGs now. So, um, although every time I do go to send you an email, Matt, it still recommends that I send it to Matt Corey instead. So, be oh, that what the fuck? It yeah, yeah. I guess you're still not the favorite Matt by oh, Gmail. Geez. Well, uh, he's certainly my favorite Matt. Oh, thanks, Brian. I needed did that. Did you ever? Did you ever listen to the podcast where I did all the screaming? No, I'm never gonna listen to that. <laughs> Good. Good, Good for you. That's a lot of self-restraint right there. <laughs> I listened to it immediately. I, I think I played it back as it was happening. Um, all right. So anyhow, the Red Sox, uh, big news for these guys. So let's set the table a little bit. The Red Sox started off the season 17-2. They have the best record in baseball, best run differential in baseball, and they're about to start playing the Yankees today as you listen to this. Um, and the Yankees are just one game back of the Sox, which is pretty ridiculous considering how well the Sox have played. Yankees have won 15 out of their last 16 games, so what I figured we would do today is go back, look at the rosters of these two teams, and go position by position. Uh, Bullpen, we'll talk about the rotations, and then we'll talk about how these guys stack up because we've got a few months' worth of data now, and I think it's worth looking at. So let's kick it off. We're going to go right to catcher position, we're going to start there. Um, this one's probably... It's a rough big, start. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a no-brainer here. 
We've got Gary Sanchez for the Yankees. Um, currently, his stats for the year, a little bit rough. Uh, he's slashing 198-279 with a 500 slugging percentage. He does have nine jacks on the year. Um, but that's going against the duo of Christian Vasquez and Sandy Leon. Guys, what do you think here? Hmm. This is a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, one of those guys is hitting 198. So, not Sanchez, obviously. Come on. Yeah, but you said it's a no-brainer, and he, he as my position is that Gary Sanchez has no brain. So, uh, wow. so that work that works out nicely. Uh, I mean, it's him. Um, judging on the uh, pitcher stats, when Sandy Leone is catching, maybe it's a bit closer than you'd think, but it's obviously him well you, you want to know something funny uh that 198 average uh is still higher than the average for both leon yeah i thought it might be as soon as i was saying that i was like i should probably have looked up with the red sox yeah vasky's hitting 193 and leon's hitting 154 heading into this series so that tells you all you need to know about this position it's obviously sanchez by a landslide uh, this is the one position on the diamond where I, it's just not even worth talking about. So uh, anything to add there, gentlemen? I guess defense, right? We should talk about that because Gary Sanchez's defense is brutal. I don't think it's nearly as bad as the reputation is. I mean, he's got a killer arm. His framing metrics are really good. And we're at the point where his reputation is so bad that any ball that gets by him is his fault. Like that chapman pitched the other night he got a lot of blame for that when chapman missed his spot by like 10 feet with 103 mile an hour fastball i mean that's that's on chapman so i mean the red sox obviously have better defense behind the plate than sanchez but sanchez is no slouch matt why would you why would you bring logic into this this is where we have him man this is where we have him right where we want him. Uh, I mean, you're right, obviously, but uh, obviously, obviously, you're right. Who I mean, him the, yeah. on the Yankees payroll, huh? Yeah, oh, this I is wish. not. Uh, this is, we don't need to spend too much time on this one, I think, just because it's so clear. All right, moving over to first base. This is where it gets really exciting. We've got Hanley Ramirez and Mitch Moreland, the little duo over there. Uh, mostly Hanley, though. And that is going against a very unimpressive duo so far of Tyler Austin and Neil Walker because Greg Bird's been hurt pretty much the entire season. So, um, Brian, let me kick it to you first. How big of an advantage is this for the Sox? It's a big one. I will say Tyler Austin has hit really well this year. And not just – he, I think, was um, in the aftermath of the Bird injury was – uh, considered a platoon player because he kills lefties, but he's been hitting righties just as well. Now it'll probably end, but he has been good. Um, however, uh, Hanley and Mitch Moreland have uh, in sequence uh, been the like flaming hot hitters who are not Mookie or Xander um, first Hanley and now Mitch. So uh, I'm going to give, the Red Sox, a, despite what I said about Austin, I'm going to give the Red Sox a big advantage there. Austin does have Hanley beaten OPS right now by a few points, but Hanley's played a lot more games. Yeah, yeah I was and, say. I, yeah, and I think if Austin plays 
more he'll he'll fall under. But as I'm saying, he's given the number of lefty starters we have, he could be a problem. But that doesn't mean that that's a net win for the Yankees. You think they'll drill him again? No. Well, it's uh, it's the Yankees' turn, right? Somebody's getting hit. I'm not. This thing's wrong about over. it, but I think yeah. I don't. It might not be this series, but it's the. I think it's the Yankees' turn to hit somebody anyway. So hopefully it's not Mookie. So Matt, anything to add to this one? Uh, just so that I think we're gonna see more Moreland. I mean, I think the Red Sox. First of all, the Red Sox have the edge here, but um, I think we're gonna see more Moreland. Uh, not only in the series, but just in general, coming up, Hanley at DH and JD in left field. Oh, Matt, it's so sweet that you like him now. Who's that, Moreland? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm in on Moreland. <laughs> I already apologized. He is really good. Every time he goes up there, he does something positive with the bat, it seems like. Uh, let's oh, move look, over look. to... What? No, I always thought that the downsides in Moreland were overstated just because they they were capped. If he would doesn't seem like... I mean, I guess last year, more more so than this year, obviously, but... There was never, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, a case where he was going to sink the ship, you know. So the fact he's doing well is obviously great, but uh, it was more, especially at his price, upside, uh, upside hunting that they found. But are you intentionally what, saying more that much? Do you want me to say it more? Furthermore. Furthermore. All right. All right. Never mind. Let's go to second. <laughs> Second base, Matt, this is for you. Eduardo Nunez versus Glaber Torres. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Torres right now. I think it's going to be Torres is, all the time. Yeah, I mean, Nunez is just – he's been a problem. I definitely don't think he's this bad at the plate, but I'm starting to think he is this bad defensively. I don't know if it's the knee or what, but uh, – I mean, he's definitely been a net negative, and Torres has been pretty great since coming up, which uh, that's just what the Yankees needed was another star position player, so good for them. Yeah, this one's going to haunt us for a while. Torres is 21 years old. Uh, he's got an 857 OPS, and he's just getting started. I mean, this, this guy is going to suck to face for a long time. If it wasn't the Yankees, I'd suck be pumped Suck to face? Up. Is that what you just said? Suck to we, face. Are what? we still doing phrasing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm not saying that anybody's going to suck his face, but he's going to <laughs> suck two-face for pitchers. Oh, suck two-face. Yeah, oh, what did you think I said? I thought you said suck the face. I thought that was like some <laughs> hip new expression that I hadn't heard before. That's not a new expression. That's a very old expression. Well, in this context, <laughs> I had never heard. Oh, man. Sorry about that. Brian, get in here. <laughs> my, my one hope is that uh, Nunez is awakened by his former Yankees status and, uh, and, and can belt some, uh, belt some dingers because, I mean, he just looks worse. Like, he's bad in the field, and he just looks worse as it goes on. So, yeah, Glebe is uh, definitely – problematic and <laughs> this is only the beginning yeah um now here, here's a question if pedroia was back and let's just say um 
what we expect him to be, I think, which is great fielding, obviously, and then, you know, maybe 300 hitter, but with not a lot of power. Who would you take? I, I think I'd I, still give the edge to Gleaver just by a little bit. I don't. I mean, definitely long-term, obviously, even maybe for the rest of this year, but for, like, this series at this moment in time, I might go Pedroia. Just because, I mean, Torres has looked great, but it's also been two weeks. So, pitchers Yeah, I think, that's, I, think that's, I think that's where I'm at. But the fact that it's closed <laughs> isn't great for us. Yeah, no, no, that's not a good sign. So, um, are you guys checking off the days until Pedroia gets back? Do we have any updates on him? He said May 25th, so I'm yeah. just going to wait until May 20th. Like, if you pick a day like that and say, oh, it's this day, it's like, okay, I'm going to pay attention on that day. Right, and um, where, what? He's going to start playing games on Saturday in Pawtucket, reportedly. So, yeah, he's getting close. Yeah, I mean, if he's starting on Saturday, I I think it could be before the 25th because, um, as we know from the um, – reports of him videotaping himself and sending it to Alex Cora. Um, <laughs> if he's playing just down the road from Fenway, he's going to try to get back there as soon as possible. And uh, I hope he does. Okay. You ready for the juiciest one of the night? Maybe All right. it is pretty, it is pretty juicy. I think this might be the closest matchup. So Xander Bogarts versus Didi Gregorius. Bogarts on the year, slashing 333, 363, 587 with a 949 OPS. Uh, Didi has him beat, though. OPS of 1,062. That is a a very high mark. He also has 10 jacks to go along with that. Uh, Didi's 28 years old. Xander's 25. Who are you guys going with for the edge here? I think it's Didi. I don't really even. I didn't really even have to think too hard about it, to be honest. He's been better at the plate a couple of years in a row, including this year, and he's much better defensively. Um, I love Bogarts. I mean, he's obviously great. I think. I think DD is special. He's a. I think he's a legit star. Right. I was gonna. I was gonna go the other way, but Matt makes. Matt makes some good points. It's um, I almost feel like this is <laughs> this is a position where, like right field, the position where there are no losers, where it's just, you know, yeah, it's not like second base where there's the Yankees are making up some ground. Like if the Yankees are making up ground here because Didi is that good over Xander, the amount they're making up isn't that much. Um, it's just the difference between being a star and like a potential superstar which uh which xander actually could be too so uh i think matt you swayed me i think i'll say dd but not by enough to matter i don't think so i'm gonna go the other way on this one let me give you some numbers as to why so i it's it's unquestionable dd's been better than xander bogart's Uh, i think it's arguable that he's been better in 2016 but he was definitely better in 2017 um his OPS has climbed every single year, pretty much, since he started in 2014 playing regularly. Well, I guess he started in 2013, but he's been climbing. Um, but his his OBP, 304 in 2016, 318 last year, 
399 this year. I think what he's doing right now is probably unsustainable, whereas I feel like the marks that he had the last two seasons in 2016 and 2017, while awesome, are probably more what he generally is. And I think with Xander being that he's 25 years old, he's still experimenting with his swing a little bit. I think that what we're seeing out of him, more this 949 OPS guy, could be a little bit closer to peak Xander, what we're going to see from him. I think we're going to see probably 850-ish Xander. I think he'll slow down a little bit. But I think these changes are real. And uh, I gave you the, the, the nod on defense with Didi, but give me Xander right now. So I don't know how you can give him the nod on defense, and then uh, yeah, I, that 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 to me I think is the defining factor between them because as you sort of get at, you can look at the offensive numbers for both through different lenses, um, and sort of you could go either way. Though I think Xander, I I believe in Xander's long-term offensive outlook more maybe just based on pedigree, but the defense thing is real and it's real right now. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, you say that DD's unsustainable and yeah, I mean, he's not going to be this good. Xander's got a 393 BABIP and his walk rate is way down and his strikeout rate is up. I mean, he's definitely got a new swing, but I don't, I mean, I don't think this is sustainable either. And I think, Gregorius pitchers are going to get scared of him. He's going to walk more. He's not going to keep walking 13% of the time, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've already said I buy, I'm all in on DD. If he wasn't a Yankee, he would be like my favorite player in the league right now. That dude is awesome. Jeez. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to argue against the numbers right now, but if you look at, if you, if we're just looking from an offensive perspective, I think you could make the argument that Xander has been the better offensive player over the last three seasons than Didi. If you average out his OPS over the last three years, it's higher than Didi's. I will say this, though. I mean, it kills me to defend a Yankee like this. Didi has slowly started hitting lefties better. I think that we are probably, obviously, anyone hitting with his line right now is probably overdoing it a little bit. But I think we're closer to what he's going to be right now than we have been in the last three years. I think this is great. I mean, it's so close. Uh, and I think that the major disappointing factor here is that when DD replaced Jeter and we had Xander, we thought that this was going to be an easy win. And it's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. It's turning out that they, uh, I think on the MLB show, um, for over at the ringer, they actually asked Ben Lindbergh, like, who would you prefer right now? Peak Jeter or DD? And he went with DD. So that says that says all you need to know about what Didi's been doing recently. Uh, I mean, all credit to that dude. I mean, put in a difficult situation, and honestly, I mean, he's learned on the job a ton. Uh, I I agree with Matt. Like, if he wasn't on the Yankees, he'd just be like one of the most compelling players. But oh well. You know who the Yanks <laughs> traded for him? Shane Green, right? Shane Green. Yep. Yeah, and somebody wrote a column like after Shane Green made like two starts and someone thought that he was going to be a Cy Young contender. <laughs> so, oh, things man. have changed a little bit since then. Yeah, that was a pretty good one for the Yanks, like they needed it. Uh, let's look at third base. So we're going to give the edge uh, at shortstop to the Yankees. Uh, barely, but we're giving it to them. 
Um, third base, Miguel Andahar, uh, the rookie, versus Rafael Devers. Uh, Andahar's been pretty good this year, guys. He carries a 781 OPS into the series. Uh, Rafael Devers has an OPS of 766. Uh, Devers certainly has the edge in power. Uh, he's got six home runs to three for Miguel. Um, where do you guys think the edge lies here? Uh, Devers is younger. He's 21. Uh, Miguel is 23. That's the, see, that's the funny part, is that uh, Andahar is a hot young prospect and Xander is two years younger. I give the edge to Xander. I mean, I think that there's Devers. You mean Devers? Devers. Sorry, uh, I give the I give the edge to Devers because okay, Andahar's Devers not the best def- defensive third baseman in the world, but he's learning and i think matt you said last year that he's probably better than you think um i think andahar might have a learning curve ahead of him that devers has gone through to some degree uh i think that devers is a like a truly special talent he's one of like the five youngest people in the league still and he clearly belongs outside of a couple mishaps at third base. Uh, I'm I'm going Devers. Yeah, I'm going Devers too. Um, I think it's close. I think both of these guys are pretty similar. They're really aggressive. Um, I actually don't know a ton about Induhar's defense, um, but I think they're pretty close there. Um, just based on the fact that I don't know much, so he must be kind of middle of the road. Um, so I think Devers having some of that experience and kind of less of a learning curve gives him a little bit of the edge the rest of the year. Um, Devers, I think, will probably be around 110-ish WRC plus at the end of the year, and Duhar probably more league average-ish, so it's close-ish, but I th- I'm pretty comfortable picking Devers. Yeah, I think the difference here with these two players is is just basically ceiling. I think uh, defensively right now, they're pretty similar players. Looking at how these guys graded out as prospects, uh, Andujar was about a 45 with a 55 potential in the field, uh, 70 arm, very similar profile to what people had for Devers. Um, in terms of where this guy lands, I think he's a really solid player, Andujar. I think his bat is going to be, you know, right average for for third base. Uh, defense will be fine, but Devers just has that ceiling um, where you know we get we get to watch him all the time. But Devers does some things on the baseball field where you don't have to squint too hard to see somebody who could possibly challenge for the MVP at some point later in his career. I mean, he's 21. He's a He's already done some things on a baseball field that no one else has done. Uh, that Chapman hit just always is what I think about when I think about Devers. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm giving him the edge just based on ceiling. Plus his dad is Hanley is on the team. So he's got the, <laughs> he has the family support. Yeah, I love his dad. Um, all right, so moving out to the outfield, this is where uh, things get very interesting for the Red Sox, I think. Um Andrew Benintendi in left field. He has struggled this year so far, but so has his contemporary, uh, Brett Gardner, who is about 100 years old and still unlikable. Um, Brett Gardner right now, batting 203. Andrew Benintendi, 
244 still has a sweeter swing though what do you guys think with these two i didn't realize that gardner had been playing so poorly oh he's been awful so far this is real bad i was yeah, ready I'm to... like, I, yeah i was i was ready to say oh you know i think it might actually be gardner because he's gardner to me is just the numbers accepted just a solid player um he's there all the time mixing it up but like there's a 50 point difference in uh weighted oba uh between the two of them and benny's like when you're getting into outfield defense and left field i'm sort of shrugging at it uh i'm gonna give i'm gonna give the the benefit uh, to benny on this one because i think that you know gardner's been a good player and at times maybe a very good one but he has not been good this year Benintendi has also not been good, but in not being good, he hasn't been bad. So I think there's a huge difference there, and that's why I'll give it to Benny. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm pretty much the same boat. I was definitely ready to give it to Gardner. Jesus, I can't believe how bad he's been. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder if Gardner's been injured this year and he's been playing through something. But, I, I mean, I, when I was looking at this originally, I was just looking at the last five years from Gardner, and he put up you know, four or five years in a row where he was pretty much a consistent four-win player out there. Um, he was much better than we thought. Um, and Speak for yourself. Well, much better than I thought. Um, I think I'm clouded by the amount that I actually hate him because he always... A lot of people hate something. Gardner. What's up with that? Well, well oh, the, just the reason no, we that hate makes him sense. is because every time he plays the Sox, he does something good, you know? That's fair. Yeah, it's just... It's it's the same reason why we hated Jorge Posada. Um in well, my opinion. Well, there were a lot of reasons why we hated Posada. Um, but with these two guys, I just think you've got two two different players going in two different directions right here. Benny's only going to get better. Uh, Brett Gardner at 34 is probably not going to improve. But again, are we talking about long-term yeah. or the series? No, no, just for the series. But I'm just I'm, – I'm putting yeah. the whole thing in perspective here. Yeah, but I also think that what you say applies to this series for these two guys anyway. So Yeah. Um, center field. This is a good one. We have Jackie Bradley Jr.'s dead husk at the plate uh, and loveliness out in the field versus Aaron Hicks in center field, who's actually been pretty good so far. Um, Aaron Hicks this year, 240 average, 352 OBP, 400 slugging. Certainly didn't do what he did last year with the bat so far, but he's been dealing with some injuries. He's 28 years old. He's going against Jackie, who's 28 years old. Uh, Jackie has a 178 average on the year with a 535 OPS. He's been absolutely pathetic with the bat. Um, guys, where are you going with this one? It's Hicks. Yeah. Yeah, it's Hicks. It's not close. So I think we should spend some time talking about then what is happening with Bradley because Bradley has been basically a broken offensive player for a huge stretch of time now. What is the team going to do about him? Uh, in terms of playing time? Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to sit more often. I don't think he's going to sit all the time or anything, but I mean, I said before, I think Moreland's going to be playing a lot more first base and J.D. Martinez going to be in left field more. And Bradley's the guy who loses out there. Um, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they, seem comfortable. To get going. they seem comfortable doing the shift where Benny goes to center and Mookie yeah. goes to, 
and Mookie stays in right. Um, and it looks like that is the best. I mean, certainly the best offense. And then with the Hanley and Moreland shift. The thing about Yankee Stadium, though, they have that. I mean, their left field's a little bit bigger than most parks. So, JD out there, it's a little it, with Penitendi in center. That's a little, uh, it's a little scarier than their normal outfield. That's true. So I, I want to put JBJ's struggles in perspective a little bit here. Um, going all the way back to last season, here is month by month splits in terms of batting average. 209, 221, uh, 353, 231, 254, 172, and then this year so far in just a short period of time, 178. Um, he's been really bad other than one month last year. Like, really yeah, it's, bad. it's rough. Um, I don't know that batting average is necessarily the best way to look at his game anyways, but... It, um, I mean, he's been bad no matter what you look at. If you he's go kinda... by WRC plus, though, he's only been above average three months. Yeah, three months. Yeah, I mean, it's better than one. But... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt his offense sucks right now. And um, I, I think that this is always the uh, the thought with his hot and cold streaks was that the hot streaks were going to disappear, not that that. Not that it was going to turn into a season full of them or that he was going to get better. And I think that we've just hit the point where maybe natural talent is – I mean, I think we're just seeing the ceiling of his natural talent. And uh, I don't expect those hot streaks anymore. Not One might be coming, and it would be wonderful if it just showed up now, but – yeah, I, I agree with everything Matt said. I agree with everything what Jake said. I think that, uh, you know, in the past we've talked about JBGA being a great trade chit, and maybe he still is, and maybe he's still a likely one. I'm at the point now where if they did it, I I, I would not mind. I mean, I like him a lot um, just because of his defense. But if he was traded, they can certainly absorb it. I think, but that's not what we're talking about. I mean, he's going to be better. There's no way he's this bad. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I don't. He's really got a know 47 WIC plus. I mean, he's he's better than that. I'm extremely confident in that. So whether or not he's a regular or not, that's a different story. But I mean, he's not this bad. I don't know. I mean. He, he, he had st- he got two hangers in Anaheim. Yeah, he's he going two bad. Homers. He's, he's in a bad slump, and this is what happens when you're going bad. You miss pitches, and you're a mess. I mean, do you do you honestly think he's a true talent? Forty-seven WRC plus hitter. No, I don't think he's a true sound talent. Forty-seven, but That's last, what I'm year, last year he had one month at fifty-three, one month at fifty-two, and another month at thirty. So like. Yeah, him being at 47 him. is not, you know, abnormal. Yeah, In fact, but it's he more also, than regular than it isn't. But he also ended the year at what 90. So that's I mean, by 162 months. 
Yeah, right. but that's well, one but that counts. It counts. Yeah, it and has been a month it. and a half, so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of baseball left. I think at this point, though, the thing that stinks about having him is that there are other teams out there that have good defensive center fielders who are just a lot more steady with the bat. Guys like a Kevin Pillar, you know, he's not he doesn't have the power of Mookie Betts, but he hits more consistently. Guys like Kevin Kiermaier hit the ball more consistently. I think the issue with Jackie is just you can't afford to trot a guy out there every single day who's just a complete zero. And he has these stretches where he's a zero for, you know, months at a time. Well, the difference is that he's a power hitter. And those guys, I mean, I guess Kiermaier hits some home runs and Pilar does. But they're not – that's the weird thing is I think that we associate – speed in the outfield with like slap hitting and Jackie is just Jackie bombs man like that's his game is his game is homers so I think that's how also when things are going well they they compound really fast because and obviously when they're going poorly you're not getting the bat on the ball and you're striking out all the time you don't get anything start hitting home runs it, it, it adds up um, so I think that's more of a stylistic thing but yeah when it's going bad it certainly makes it worse when it's bad let me give you guys the al east center fielders and you guys tell me which order you'd rank these guys if you were starting a team adam jones jackie bradley jr aaron hicks kevin pillar and malik smith what order do you take those guys in if you're starting a team um come uh kiermaier first hicks second um it's I'm going after that. I'm going JBO. Hmm. I might take Bradley's third. Yeah, me too. Because it's if you're close starting between him and Pilar, I don't know how old is Pilar. Also, also Malik Smith has been tearing shit up this year. Yeah, I'm not a Malik Smith. Believer. Neither am I. But fair is fair. He yeah. Has- Pilar's been awesome this year, but that's more abnormal for him. Yeah, Bradley's been a better hitter than him for the last three years before this. I'm not really convinced that much has changed. Um, and I think Jones has always been a better defensive player than people have given him credit for. I'm just not sure where he is with the bat at this point. I don't know. I think it's pretty clearly Kiermaier and... Uh, Wait, did you put Malik Smith and Kiermaier on here? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I did. I was, I, I was wondering why it's <laughs> an extra player in there. That really confused me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Wait, yeah, I think Kiermaier put... and Hicks are definitely one, too. And then after that, you kind of go in any order. No, i go Adam Jones three. Yeah. I feel like Adam Jones just ha- – like, he's not the most efficient hitter. Dude has talent. He's just – yeah, I, I kind of take him over the wrong side. He's on the wrong side for sure. He's on the wrong side for sure. That's for sure. I would take him over JBJ. I would too. I I would actually go. I would go Kiermaier, Hicks, Pilar, Jones, JBJ. I mean, I, I think those last three spots are all really close. You could go in any order. I wouldn't really argue. That, I mean, Jake, that is crazy. I mean, as much as we've talked about how bad JBJ has been hitting. That you credibly, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. Put a fifth on that list in a division is crazy to me. It's that's wild. 
Yeah, I mean, the the difference here for me is that when I look at Pilar's splits, and I want to compare him to, to JBJ, his months are just so much more predictable. He's more like a metronome. He helps the team a little bit more because he's more consistent. I mean, it, here are his month-by-month numbers in WRC+. Plus, 123, 94, 53, 60. Those are both low, JBJ-like. 91, 87. So he's just a little bit more consistent. Does that overall. really matter, though? I, I think he doesn't say, ever carry know. the team, though. Yeah, I don't know if that. Yeah, I don't know if that that part of the uh, argument checks out, Jake. That, Especially if you have a deep lineup, you can where you can hide a guy who's slumping. And I mean, I think that's obviously the goal is to build a deeper lineup where it's not the goal; it's the reality. They've yeah. done it. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like hypothetically. To me, I guess it's just a preference thing. Like, I'd rather have somebody who gives the team a chance every night when he comes up to the plate rather than someone who completely disappears. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think you're perfectly reasonable in calling Polar versus JBJ a personal preference thing. I think yeah. that's that neither of them have done enough to pull away from the other. Shocking that it's come to that though with him. I mean, how much how much longer can the Red Sox? being a team in the position that they are financially continue to have him in the lineup without I doing something gonna, about it. I what are they going to do? A long time. They're, they're fine. Yeah. They're fine. They have the best you record know. of baseball. I mean, and he hasn't through done all of this, they have the best record of baseball. This And Jake, I'm going to say the name. So just, this is sort of the same thing I was getting oh, at no. with the Swihart situation. No, no I'm just saying that – I'm saying that – there's no need for drastic changes when your team have the best record in the league. Of course. Do you see that as Swihart for Matt Harvey trade thing that was floated out there? Yeah, except I I didn't see it, but that was my thought was that makes all the sense in the world from no. at least no 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 from like at least from the Mets perspective. Oh does. yeah, oh yeah, obviously. But then, but I, and I thought it didn't make any uh, sense from the Red Sox perspective until I read about how Thornburg and Harvey have the same injury. Yep. And so and since they're rehabbing one, well they could rehab that. the other. And I was like, okay, well now it does make sense, but it's not going to happen. I actually, no. I actually like that a little bit more than what? Yeah, no, I, I do. I just think Blake needs a fresh start. I mean, it would be great for Swihart and it'd be great for the Mets. Jake, stop that thinking about Blake. Think about the Red Sox. <laughs> Oh, I can't. That's a red <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> All Go right. Ahead. Let's move on to right field. The uh, oh, most exciting God. matchup and one where the Red Sox have a clear edge, in my opinion. Mookie Betts right now. His OPS is 12.52. 12.52 right now, guys. He's slugging 8.18 and leads the major leagues in home runs. Aaron Judge having a great year. 9.82 OPS be awesome in any other year against any other player but dude is crushed against bets right now yeah bets is bets is maybe the second best player in baseball he might you know i said it a couple weeks ago you can't say bets is better than trout you can't but he's just as good right now i mean he is bets is as good right now as i can like take bonds out of it okay Betts is as good as I've seen anybody play right now. Um, and to and think about how crazy it is that 
Aaron Judge, who was also, and I think that credit where credit is due, after he sort of flailed in the like the not the like app from the halfway point to I would say about ninety percent left. Judge had some tough times. Um, he this year has like he's been really good, and the fact that it is a no-brainer is just a testament to Mookie's on like he's unbelievable. Out of all the players we've talked about, Judge is the second best, right? Hundred percent, Judge is the second best. Like I, I think you're making an, an awesome point, Brian. Like Judge has basically covered up any hole that we thought he had in this game. His defense is good. He hits for average. He's selective. He hits for power. All these things that we weren't sure that Judge could do, he's proved that he can do. And Mookie just does everything better. <laughs> Mookie, Mookie's, it's, it's one of the more unbelievable things I've seen. I don't know how long he can keep this run up, but I think Matt, I think you, you said it last week or you wrote it and something. I remember you're just like, I don't see any indication that he really can't be this good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. He's not going to be this good, but it's like the BABIP is 300. His walk rate and strikeout rates aren't really wildly out of line with his career. The power is going to come down. I said that last week, and he hit three home runs the next day. So what the fuck do I know? But, yeah, I mean, he's unbelievable. The guy is a machine. Anybody want to play guess the WRC plus on Mookie Betts right now? I'm looking at it right now. Brian, you want to take a guess? I'm not the greatest with WRC plus. I'll guess 180. Ooh, Ooh. Way off. 225. Oh my god. Yeah, that's just it's <laughs> not human. Yeah, that's why I didn't get it because he's a human. Yeah, and so, and uh, a judge is right at 165 right now. Oh, what a bum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just just uh, casual MVP type numbers in any any regular year. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, hold on. So here's the main. Are we about to do pitchers? Uh, so we're gonna do DH, and then we're gonna get to pitching. Okay. Because once we get into the pitchers, we can have a, a side discussion. I'll, I'll remember. We'll talk about oh, it. Good. No, no, no. It's not. No, it's good. Go ahead. Um. So DH is juicy as well. We have Giancarlo Stanton, the possible Red Sox who didn't end up being a Red Sox, age 28, versus JD Martinez, age 30. Uh, JD cur- currently has a 1,015 OPS. Giancarlo Stanton coming in at 7.68 right now. Guys, where are you going with this one? It's more than just JD. the numbers here. JD, yeah, give me hands JD. down. He's a much better hitter. I don't know about hands down, but give me JD. No, hands down. So I I completely agree with you. I I agree with you, Brian. His power is comparable, and his approach is just so much better. I uh, I don't I mean, want to blaspheme Mookie, but I'm I picked in our preseason stuff JD JD to be the team's MVP, and as good as Mookie has been, JD no. has been good enough that he has not totally fallen out of the uh, the possibility of that'll be the case. Mookie would have to get hurt or something, but he's yeah. got him by 200 points in OPS right now. That's fine. It's <laughs> it's May seventh. It's May. 7th. Well, the the weird thing is that so JD Martinez is a one seventy WRC plus, and it's like a quiet 
170. It is. Like, it feels like nobody's really noticing that the dude's been unreal this year. I will say the thing with him and Stanton specifically, those two guys are the, and I mean, obviously, since we are in the StatCast era, we have the, um, you know, we have the velocity off the bat, but like those two guys more than anyone I've ever seen, every, like every single ball they hit, they hit so hard. Um, and the main difference being that like, JD's a JD's swing is just much better. JD has one of the more, one of the. It's hard to have a pretty right-handed swing, but I think he has one. Uh, and it just, the way he hits doubles and singles as well as he hits homers is just, the dude is the dude is great, and he is better than uh, Stanton at hitting. Martinez is basically a computer program somebody developed to hit. <laughs> like he's just so mechanical with everything in. I mean, there's been all those stories about how how hard he studies, like, every scouting report and everything and how hard he works. And, I mean, it shows. The guy just has a plan. You can see it in action every time he goes up. He knows exactly what he's doing. And it's uh, it's impressive. I mean, as far as this matchup between these two go, it, the fact that they're both at DH just swings it so far in JD's favor. If there was yeah. defense involved, it would be really close maybe an edge to stanton but if it's dh then it's definitely martinez i totally yeah. agree yeah it's it's not all that close when it's at dh that's 100 percent um let's move on to rotation here this has been a strength for both of these clubs so far this season uh, the red sox rotation consists of sale porcello price eddie and pomerantz uh, and that's going against a New York rotation of Severino, Gray, Tanaka, was Montgomery before he got hurt. I think it's Domingo Germain right now who's going to be coming up to make that. Jeez, Herman. Herman. Okay, Herman, whatever. Germain, come on. <laughs> I'm not good with the Spanish names yet. And, that's uh, clear. And CC Sabathia. Um, these are closer than you guys might think. So let me give you the team stats so far. What are you uh, saying about us? Yeah, what, don't tell me what I think. <laughs> All right, well, well, tell me what you think. I think both of these rotations are really good. They're both really good. Who do you think has better numbers right now? Uh, well, since you're asking, I'm going to say the Yankees. Yeah, right now, Yankees 333 ERA is the team. Red Sox are at 349. Those are the fourth and sixth best marks in baseball right now. Well, so we're just done. Let's just pack it up. Don't even play the games. I'm just fucking with you. Um, so, okay, go over the matchups. So this, uh, for this this matchup, for this we've series? got Pomerantz uh, versus yes. Severino, Price versus Tanaka, and Porcello mm-hmm. versus Sabathia. Who do you guys like in the first matchup? Obviously, I think they. I think <laughs> I think the matchups get the they the matchups are. Uh, Good for the Yankees, even, and good for the Red Sox. Uh, I think depending I, on what you think about how Price is gonna do. Yeah, I mean that's really what it comes down to in the series, and just comparing those rotate two rotations as a whole. What do you think David Price is? And I don't really have a good answer to it. But Tanaka has been up and down too. Tanaka yeah. is always up Tanaka, and down. Tanaka I, is right now what he is, which is like a four ERA pitcher who's still good. Um, and I don't know. And, and he, no, he gets there. He gets there 
by having really good starts and really bad ones. Um, at least that's been my observation. Last two years, I guess. I didn't realize he had a, such a high ERA this year. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, so anyhow, this leads me into the other discussion. I was just a quick question to you guys. If you lived 15 minutes from Yankee Stadium, which game would you go to? Uh, yeah, me too. I was the second the one. Thing. No, I mean, if you're going to be openly rooting for the Red Sox, you have to go to the one that they have the best chance of winning. You don't want to get roasted by a bunch of Yankees fans. I'm not worried about that. I've been to like 50 games in Yankee Stadium. I'm not afraid about that. Whatsoever. I also think that could be a sneaky good pitching matchup, though, because Sabathia at home, like versus Porcello, I think Sabathia has been a lot better than uh, so I expected. Cool. I'm so sick of CC Sabathia. He's Me been, too, but he's been really he good. Killed the only time the Red Sox last year. The only time that CC Sabathia has been bad for an extended period of time, and he's talked about this, is when he was drinking way too much. Yeah. And once oh, he stopped, amazing. yeah, he's like, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Yes. Yeah, I don't know the numbers, but he feels like one to me. I mean, he's like I. He's one of the players that I hate that he's on the Yankees because I would love to love him. Um, but I can't. So you're right. I think Thursday is the, the best possible day to go to the a game. Anyhow. Do you, know, do you know what the Red Sox OPS against Sabathia was last year in four starts? 543. 480. Holy shit. Yeah, he dominated them last year. They need to like – well, they didn't they have like a Martinez. first inning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Martinez, his swing is like built for Yankee Stadium. He has so many of those opposite field home runs in that short porch in right field. Sebastian is going to eat Ben and Tendi alive. It's going to be terrible yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Uh, so getting back to the Sabathia um, Hall of Fame case, though, he's currently got 239 wins. And a 66 war, according to fan graphs, uh, generally somewhere above 60 is putting you in that Hall of Fame discussion. I think he's probably going to get in. I'm going to level with you. I hate the Hall of Fame. I do too, but I think that I like it when guys like CC Sabathia make it. That I think that is, for all the stupidity that happens around it um i like it when dudes who just gave their whole life to baseball and were good the whole fucking time get recognized for that yeah um, i mostly just hate like all the discussion around it it's like it's, all the same season the worst time of year yeah um anyhow i would say the red sox have the advantage in the third game definitely not in the second game in the first game and the second game, it's just shruggy guy for which David Price shows up. You yeah. agree, Matt? I think I'm. I lean a little bit more towards the Yankees in the second game, but that's the closest to a toss-up. I I actually see it as uh, advantage Yankees overall. I think clear edge in the first game, big edge. I would give Tanaka the slight edge at home over Price, and I think that Sabathia Porcello is a lot closer uh, than we think, considering how the Red Sox have played against Sabathia recently. So if I'm just going for this matchup, I think I'd prefer the Yankees rotation 
However, looking for the rest of the season, I'd probably go Sox on that. But for this, Jake, Yankees. Jake, who's the best uh, Red Sox starting pitcher right now? Christopher Sale. Okay. Yeah. I was just I was I was interested in what you would say. I didn't Did know uh, you, anyone I didn't else know happen to notice who was catching yesterday? Sandy. Well, Sandy Leon action for Sale's best start of the year. Yeah. Uh, not yes. a coincidence. Also, yeah, not it's a interesting. That it Porcello is, is having. Yeah, he's season Porcello's personal catcher. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm starting to buy into the whole. I don't really know what to think about personal catchers, but I'm starting to buy into the fact that Sandy Leon knows what he's doing back then. Yeah, not other personal catchers. Sandy Leon, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, are we gonna give the edge to the Yankees for this for this series, the rotation? Uh, yeah. Didn't we just do that? I th- um, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's it's a 55-45 or 60-40, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to the last matchup of the night, the bullpens of these two teams. Let me ask you guys, which of these teams do you think has the lower bullpen ERA so far this year? Red Sox. Red Sox. Red Yankees Sox. bullpen has been weirdly bad. Yep, Red Sox the have a 338. Up. Yankees have a 358 so far on the year. Uh, the guys who you're looking at seeing, um, you're going to be looking at Kimbrell, Kelly, Carson Smith, you know, the typical run of guys for the Red Sox. Uh, Matt Barnes, give a little Matt Barnes love to me one time. Little, little Matt Barnes love. He's been awesome this year. Uh, the Red Sox are doing this without their best bullpen arm because Bobby Pointer's in Pawtucket. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Yankees are going to be trotting out there. Uh, Chapman, Batonsis, who's been kind of bad. Uh, Robertson, been good lately. who's been really good. Uh, Green, Holder, and Shreve, who's kind of weird, and I don't like seeing him pitch. Shreve? Yeah. He's deceptively decent stuff. Yeah, but he's like the fifth best reliever in their bullpen right now. I still don't like seeing him. No, me either. They have a good bullpen. Yeah, it's a really good bullpen. I think ours is better. Really? Yeah, I think they've been... um... I think they've been better this year. And they have. Uh, obviously, Batances, I've seen Batances pitch in a way where I couldn't conceive that anyone could hit him. Um, and I've seen Chapman do it too, but I've also seen uh, him not pitch that way and not just uh, the Devers home run. Uh, I think that for whatever reason, um, the way Barnes and Kelly and Kimbrell are going, um, even Hembry, like these guys, Velasquez. they're bringing Velaz- I mean, but Velasquez is going <laughs> to – let's see if Velasquez can uh, make it three out of four Drew Pomerant starts where he has to come in in the third <laughs> inning. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I think it would seeing – Velaz- not seeing Velasquez would probably be a good thing because it would mean the starters lasted. Well, Matt, this gets – the. You guys, your last podcast, since I listened to it, I was not on it. I was screaming at you guys. We were talking about what to do, saying to get rid of Brian Johnson. Now, I understand where in sort of the – hold on. I understand the long-term perspective and the uh, extra starter needing perspective, how Brian Johnson could be valuable in the future. Um, But at the moment, he's like a non-entity. 
Um, honestly, I'd rather have Pointer, but that's uh, – you laugh, but he's definitely no, – I, I know what you mean. He is an he, actual weapon right now. I agree with you, Brian, that I would rather have him on the team right now. I, my, I, and here's a cheap plug. I wrote a column about this that will be published tomorrow uh, just about Pointer and uh, how – Again, to bring up he who shall not be named, we've paid a lot of attention to it. One 26-year-old who has had a lot of chances and hasn't made stuff of them. Pointer's 25 and has not had a lot of chances, made everything of them. Um, and is literally their best lefty bullpen arm. I don't think this, they don't have they, they don't have any, so he's sort of by default. Well, they've got beaks. Yeah, uh, I think the pointer that counts count. more than Beaks at this yeah. point. Yeah, well, so count. Joe Kelly's been the lefty guy. Right, sure. And I'm not – Yeah, I mean I'm I think that's why they're comfortable lefty. with I'm talking about lefty. Right yeah, right. no, I know what you mean. But I think that's the big reason why they're comfortable with a pointer right now is that Kelly's yeah. been so good against lefties. But I also – and I'll, I'll get off pointer quickly. But I also like sort of in thinking about the bullpen situation in its totality and the rotation and – DL in its totality. I think that Pointer being good was great for Cora um, because they knew Pointer's op. They were going to use Pointer's options no matter what. So they using him a lot uh, beginning of the year worked uh, in their favor, especially because he was good because they knew that they were going to have to make room for because that was when Erod was on the DL and Pomerantz was on the DL. Uh, but I, they clearly believe in him as evidenced by when they brought him up for one day and made sure to get him into a game. But I would prefer he's on the team this week, but he's not. That's enough about Bobby Pointer. Till tomorrow, a.k.a. today when you're listening to this, over the monster.com. Good plug. Thanks for the plug, Brad. Yeah. Uh, um, Matt, where are you with the bullpen matchup for this series? So I think... The Yankees have more talent. Um, the Red Sox make it a little bit closer because they have the best guy. Craig Kimbrough is better than anybody in that Yankees bullpen, and I don't think it's much of a debate. Um, Barnes, I love Matt Barnes. I might be one of, if not the biggest Matt Barnes fan out there, he still does have that tendency to lose control sometimes. It hasn't come up lately. Hopefully that stays. If that stays, then he is easily the second-best arm. Again, I don't think it's much of a debate. Joe Kelly, I'm very, very intrigued by this fewer fastballs version of Joe Kelly, but I can't bring myself to buy in. The thing specifically with this series, though, is the Red Sox have – had some weird success against the Yankees bullpen. They just know how to approach it. All these guys kind of have a tendency to lose the zone sometimes, and the Red Sox have been patient. So if the Red Sox can still do that, then this matchup is closer than the talent would indicate, but I still kind of have to lean towards the Yankees. Ooh, that makes me the tiebreaker. Um, I sort of agree with both of you for different reasons um I cool think... tiebreaker yeah no so uh, jake who won just tell us who won i'm gonna go with the red sox here the red yes. sox bullpen and and the reason being is because of the success that you just talked about matt 
the Red Sox have seemed to be able to hit some of their best bullpen arms, and I'm not really sure why or how. Um, and then they add J.D. Martinez to the mix, who's an awesome hitter against elite velocity. So I think that that's an added weapon to it. Um, and I think the Red Sox bullpen arms have come up with some pretty big spot success against the Yankees. So I, you know, I think about uh, Kelly having some pretty big, um, you know, appearances against the Yankees and uh, Kimbrel is Kimbrel. So yeah, I, I'm going to go slight edge to the Red Sox here just for the series. Matt, uh, Matt, I want to ask you a question and Jake, you too. Okay. Is Kimbrel the best reliever in the game? He might be. I was thinking about this today. He I mean, it was it was Jansen clearly before the season, but Jansen has looked weird this year. So I don't really know who else. I mean, I mean Miller's there's obviously hurt. A lot of, yeah, Miller's hurt. Hater's been unbelievable, but he's I don't think he's established enough to really be in this conversation. Osuna. Osuna, I love Osuna. He's up there. He's he's the most underrated reliever. Wade Davis think has been better. nasty too this year. Yeah, I still think it's Kimbrel. I mean, Kimbrel's been doing this for so long. Yeah, he's so, so amazing. The Reds, I the Red Sox need to keep him. It's Kimbrel. I liked, I liked Matt. You sassed at the uh, Braves account yeah. that was uh, <laughs> get, get trying to get Kimbrel back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, can't no no backsies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Red Sox come out with the edge here for us guys. Uh, six categories to five for the Yankees. But what this tells us is that this is going to be an absolute dogfight for not only this series but the rest of the year. I would not be shocked at the end of this whole thing if the Red Sox and the Yankees have the best two records in all of baseball. Yeah, I mean the Astros I think is still going to be up there, but I mean it wouldn't be shocking at all. Um. So, the fun thing about these two teams is that they're, like, the exact same team. They have – I've made this point so many times that I'm, like, so proud of myself for it that I'm just going to do it again. I'm proud of you, too. Uh, so, they both have star right fielders. They both have up-and-coming star shortstops. They both have um, center fielders who were – top prospects and then busted and then they've come back obviously bradley fell back down but he could come back up they both have aggressive young third base prospects uh they both added the uh two best power hitters in baseball this offseason the red sox have chris sale the yankees have maybe the next chris sale they both have number twos with elbow issues who are a little inconsistent um they both have hard-throwing elite closers. I just, I mean, these two teams are going to be neck and neck all year, and they are—they're the same team. They both have elite hitting catchers. Only one of the teams <laughs> doesn't play their elite hitting catcher. Uh, I thought you were talking about Sandy Leon. Jake, why would you even say that? <laughs> I had to. He didn't though. Uh, he didn't say it. I'm just going to pretend he didn't even say it. (laughs) (laughs) Can we cut that? Staying in. All right. Listener questions. You guys ready? Do it. All right. We have three about JBJ. So we'll see if there's anything here you want to talk about. Uh, Mike Teague says, how low does JBJ's batting average need to be to make him a liability for this team? I think we are well beyond that point. 
Uh, someone else agrees with him, says that his defense has clouded, uh, er, the loyalty to the defense has clouded our idea of him being able to hit. And then we just have a simple, when will you admit JBJ sucks? Uh, guys, is there going to be a breaking point on this? Or are yeah. we just going to let it if run? He's, if he's doing this at, in like late July, early August, well, probably not that long. But the point is, it's not about how low, it's about how long. And I think, I mean, it's going to be at least another month before we really start seeing him like full-time bench rule. Yeah, and I think – I agree, and I think that there's – the Red Sox are probably in most cases smarter than us and do things that are better for them in a way that um, <laughs> they understand sort of holistically better than we do. And I think that the leaving the, the same way that the catchers keep getting playing time to snap themselves out of it. JBJ is going to get it because it's not that he's a loss, a total loss on the field. Cause he's obviously an amazing defender. And also I think within the team, he is a, he is a, it's easy for us to overlook dynamics within a team. I think he is firmly ensconced within the team as someone who is still deserving of his shots um, and I think that's an important thing, especially in a league with, you know, modern free agency. You want environments are important. Uh, I think that, and to that end, I think that Matt's right, that there's probably another month of this left before big decisions kept getting made because he's earned it and he's not a negative anywhere. I mean, I think that for all the talk we've, we've had about JBJ that Nunez is a, uh, maybe a bigger problem than him right yeah, now. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So I think the on thing about Nunez is there's replacements on the way. Right. Well, it's if they not... really believed in that elite hitting catcher, they could try him at second. I know they can't, you know, many people have asked me about that. No, they won't even play him at third. They won't play him at first. They're barely playing him in left. They're not playing him at second base. Free Blake Swihart. Free Blake Swihart. Yeah. Um, we're not doing this. Um, next question. Dave Roper. He says, given that the Sox have a great record at this stage of the season, will be they, they be concerned slash threatened by the Yankees' impervious winning streak of late? Uh, they should be concerned and threatened, but not scared. I don't know what that means. It shouldn't be anything. This is just yeah. Keep, it's like just win happened. your game. That was the thing that happened. The Red Sox did it too, just a little bit earlier. I don't know. I mean, they. I'm pretty sure they know that the Yankees are good. I don't think this really changed their opinion of the Yankees too much. All right, Brian. Here it is for you. Next listener question: Emon Allen Dussault. There us, you go. Yeah, there it is, baby. Uh, when does when does Brock Holt get back and will Nunez improve as he gets more rest? So Brock Holt can come off the DL May eighth, I believe, which is today. Tomorrow, today, yes, today, today. as you're listening to it. Um, and I bet Nunez will get better as he gets healthier, but probably not that much better defensively. I think he'll be better with the bat. So, I think I mean, that 
there's no like Nunez is what he is. There's no he's not going to improve. He might hit better, but he's not going to feel better. Um, so maybe with, with a little bit of rest. <laughs> Who am I agreeing with? Me. Uh, yes. He's going to feel better if he gets some time at third base. He's a much better third baseman. He's been playing out of position, which has not been helping matters. He's going to feel better if I never see him at second base again. Well, you're going to. Probably tomorrow night or tonight for people listening right now. Last question. Corey Jetston? Jetston? I can't tell if that's all one name. Uh, He asks us, but on a more serious note, who is out when Thornburg is back? Is it Brian Johnson? Matt, we talked about this at length last week, uh, and we both kind of thought it was going to be Velasquez, even though neither of us really – well, actually, I didn't want that, but you, you kind of do want that to preserve Well, him. yeah, I mean, I said that's what I would do. I don't know if I necessarily want it, but, yeah, I still think that's what's going to happen. BJ? Totally disagree. I think it's Brian Johnson. I think you that think they're going to trade him. I'm. I cannot express how I was pulling a Collins. I was yelling <laughs> at the fucking uh, radio as I'm listening to that. I was like, "Is he like Brian Johnson? Brian Johnson?" <laughs> uh, I just. I understand that Brian Johnson has value in theory and in a Red Sox situation that does not exist and it could exist very quickly but Velasquez has been demonstrably good and has pitched and has shown up uh, I totally understand why logistically what you say because he has options right so they could bounce yeah. him I understand that I think that even if they do that the bridge they're going to cross is they got to pick one of them so I feel like just pick Velasquez now Trey Johnson there you go I would like that a lot better I love the role that Velasquez has been playing this year, and Brian Johnson just – he's not that good. I also think that the Velasquez think, role is not – I mean that's – the way teams are using pitching staffs now, it's not like that role only exists because of uh, – situationally. I think that role will exist on the uh, – in the bullpen, and he's been great at it, and he's just been great. I, don't know, I think we're overrating Velasquez a little bit, underrating Johnson a little bit. Um, and I think the team really likes Johnson. I would be surprised if they got rid of him for nothing. Why do you think it would be nothing, though? I mean, I don't think he has that much value. And if you designate him, obviously you don't have a lot of leverage. I mean, they'll get something, but it's not going to be like some major trade or anything. No, but I think starting pitching depth and guys who can swing to the bullpen are always going to have value. Sure, but they automatically lose some of that value the minute they designate them. Agreed. Well, that's just that's just getting into semantics with how you define value because it doesn't change what he is. No, but it changes the situation sure but the red sox are like they need you know they're an elite team <laughs> they, the value yeah, i just i don't think the difference between velasquez and johnson is as big as you guys do i'm not sure i believe it is either but i just know that velasquez can and has done it and 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 i, and I don't mean this 
um, in a way that makes me like sure Velasquez is better. But they've gone to him. He's the one they've gone to. Oh, they definitely trust him more right now. So right. Occam's Razor. Come on, go with it. Jake. Go with it. Go with the Occam's Razor, Brian. I mean, it's that's you're correct. I would yes. like you to. Use it more. I would like you to use it often. <laughs> um, anyhow, yeah. All right, never mind. Um, all right, so that about does it for our show tonight. Uh, you can follow these gentlemen on Twitter at Brian Joiner, Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt R Y Collins, and you can follow Matt on Twitter again at the Over the Monster account. Uh, yeah, just follow that one. Don't follow the other one. It yeah, Matt's weird. really boring. Um, <laughs> uh, and you can follow myself on Twitter at DevJake. Um, so thank you for joining us. Uh, you can check this out. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, please hop on, rate and review us, and we'll be with you uh, next week and throughout the season uh, with guests and uh, with these two guys again. So, yeah, look forward to that. <laughs>